Hello and welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Most of our listeners will be very familiar with the term B2B and B2C. Well, today we're talking about a term that I'm a huge fan of and I think is the future of business, business success, particularly in this digital age, H2H or human to human. There's been endless studies now, although some business dinosaurs may think it's a new concept, that emotional intelligence ranks much higher than IQ. EQ separates great leaders from the pack. Now, a key element to any human-to-human, particularly in business, is the power of real confidence. Our first guest is a sought-after speaker, author, and award-winning coach. She has helped thousands of senior leaders and their teams learn to show up as the best version of themselves, I love that, to build their confidence and influence others. I'd like to give a very warm welcome to the show, Michelle Sales. Hi, Jackie. Hello, great to have you here. Now, this is a topic that I'm really fascinated about, and I think it's a really key one. Uh, particularly in this digital age, that there has been such a focus on the importance of communication and relationships. Uh, and, in, uh, and you talk about bouts of insecurity, that we've all had bouts of insecurity in the work environment. So how can we best deal with these moments when we're having those moments or imposter syndrome is another popular topic of that. So how can we best deal with those moments? Yeah, it's really important and confidence is, so critical to us all in no matter what we're doing. The best thing I love about confidence, Jackie, is that it's not something that you're either born with or not. So it's very much a learnable skill and that's just, I reckon, so empowering about yeah. confidence. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it does wax and wane for all of us. And so, you know, we can sometimes feel like we're on a bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, so really having an awareness of when we are at our best and what is contributing to that, what's giving us confidence, because it is different for all of us. But the starting point is really having a good sense of awareness about when our confidence is higher or when when is it lower and we need to boost it. Yeah, so if we're in a meeting or we're, we're pitching for business or there's some sort of business interaction and we can sort of ha- have that awareness and then sense that lack of confidence is starting to overwhelm your performance, are there any tips or tricks that, that we can use, any sort of uh, mental sayings or self-talk that would help us? Yeah, I like how you say self-talk because I think that's one of the really key aspects of it because we have uh, on average 65,000 thoughts a day, which is massive. And if that if our self-talk is negative or critical, too critical, or, or we're spending time time comparing ourselves to other people and always finding us lacking, then we can go spiral downwards quite quickly. So catching ourselves, being really aware of that self-talk, reframing and reframing to what we're good at. So rather than trying to work on improving all the things that we don't do so well, really just thinking about what are my strengths? What do I know that I do well? What gives us? What gives me energy? And then doing that. So, you know, if it's in the middle of a meeting, for example, um, think about how do I contribute in this meeting? What do I know? How can I do that? Think about your language so that you're not apologising and saying sorry before you even start speaking. 
um, all of those things are really important. I think that's a really good tip to not say sorry or draw attention to your weaknesses. Uh, you know, really focusing on what's strong, not what's wrong with you, I think is is a really key bit. And I I like this this sort of self-awareness of your thoughts. So it's like you become a thought detective and monitoring your own thoughts and then having, I suppose, a script or some inspiration in place, that self-talk to talk yourself out of it. Is that sort of where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I go, yes, yes I can. I can tell. I love it too. Now, I, the thing is, I, I I spend a lot of time with women in business, and uh, and I often get a lot of people chatting to me, particularly business um, women networking groups and leaders, saying that for their business women, confidence always comes up as their biggest challenge. Have you noticed any gender related uh, issues with that from from a confidence perspective? I have, and I run um, a number of women's leadership programs, and obviously the same as you, network with lots of women. So I think it's uh, – so the short answer is yes, I do notice it. Mm. And I think there's a whole load of reasons for that, you know, stereotypes, the role that um, women feel that we've had to play at work over many years, particularly women who – work in very male-dominated environments and, you know, for just about their whole career they've looked up and haven't had female role models, uh, have thought this is what it's for me to be successful here and therefore perhaps have to show up in a way that's not really being true to themselves mm-hmm. and then every message they get kind of, you know, they're, they're comparing themselves to that and finding themselves lacking. So confidence. I notice with women, particularly women in senior roles, kind of is chipped away at over many years. So how do we turn that around? How can we actually, I suppose, promote or instill a bit more confidence in in business women? Um, So understanding who you are and being true to that. So the real confidence you talked about at the beginning, the real is actually being really genuine and authentic about you know, who you are, what do you value, what's important to you in life. Um, if it's about speaking up for women, sometimes um, what I notice with women more than men is um, we hide our voice or are quieter in different forums uh, because we are trying to avoid conflict or we have a fear of being judged. Mm. Um, so being able to experiment with finding your voice in different situations and having people that support you and can offer you good feedback, all of those things really help, as well as having finding some really good role models that we can look up to. I love that um, Madeleine Albright quote, you can't be what you can't see, and that's really for women. You know, if we, if we can't, if we don't have good role models that we can see that this is what it's going to take to be more confident or to speak up or to stand up for yourself, then that's hard. Yeah, well, um, our, our brain as humans, we're wonderful pattern matches and we're looking for patterns. And so we, we need those role models. We need to be taught this is how you do it, but also from people that 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 you can relate to. So as much as Oprah is wonderful uh, and a great role model, Hillary Clinton, uh, and there's some great ones, uh, you know, plenty around the world, plenty of women around the world, sometimes they can feel a little bit out of reach. So it's nice to actually look at someone and go, you know what, I can relate to them and they can do it, so maybe I'll, I might give it a go. Is that your experience? Have you noticed that? 
absolutely the relatable. And I love that where you started in this program, Human to Human, uh, because it, it is absolutely relatable, able to connect to, um, able to kind of not not see the things that you have to do to boost your confidence, even as being out of reach. In fact, I talk about uh, boosting or building confidence like building muscles, and we don't go to the gym and just start lifting 80 kilos when we go to the gym, or I don't anyway. Uh, we, we actually start with smaller weights and we build up to it, and confidence is the same. We don't have to jump so far outside of our comfort zone to build confidence. The smaller... Um, more actions that we take every day to boost confidence is actually much more sustainable for us and that includes having role models that we can feel like we can connect to and see what those small actions are. Yeah, and I think I think confidence has got a, a bad brand image if I was to go down that path. I think when you start saying, you know, you need to build your confidence, you need to be more confident. A lot of people then think, oh, but that sounds like I am love myself or I'm promoting myself too heavily. And, of course, we all know in Australian culture this tall poppy syndrome. And I've seen a lot of uh, business people, men and women, learn a lot of stuff from the US, of course, that they're a leader in so many fields in business. And then they bring that format or the concept back into Australia and try to repackage it. But it doesn't work because it's sort of selling, not telling, I suppose, in a way, and it's too hard for our culture. So what what can we do to overcome that fear of tall poppy, I suppose? Yeah, and I, I think I, I really like what you say. And I think the other thing that I also think is in line with that is the fake it till you make it. I think, you know, sometimes we have to do that in the moment, but it only gets us so far for so long and it can be exhausting if we're faking it. And so there's that element and then there's the overdone confidence that we feel. Like, in, you know, us Aussies, you know, we kind of can see through that pretty quickly. So if you're not being genuine and authentic about your yourself and how we show up, then, you know, we see through that. So I think that having that starting point, like I said, of understanding who we are, who we really are, what we value and what we're about and what's important to us and then building the confidence to, you know, through understanding our strengths and our self-talk, all of those things that we've talked about, when we use that as the starting point and build the confidence from the inside out rather than looking at, okay, this is either a program, this is what I've been taught, this is um, a role model that perhaps is unattainable, perhaps thinking if I just behave like that, then that'll be what I need to do. If we really build it from the inside out, then it's much more likely to be genuine and authentic and um, received well by those around us. Yeah, uh, one of my techniques, which doesn't always work, I have to say, uh, but, uh, you know, if someone asks me, can you do this, and and I know what I can and can't do. I'm I'm highly aware of my capabilities most of the time, and and I'll say, yep, I'm I can do that, and I'm really good at it, and I've done it a thousand times before. And this and this is I know this works. But what I do is balance it with, but I can't do this. You know, I'm no good at this. And so I suppose it's just a, that balance of yes, I'm really good at this, but I'm really bad at that. And uh, and I that just sort of balances out the conversation, and, and you know, causes a few people to laugh. As well, which sort of eases a little bit of that strain. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think you know, saying yes, yes to things is is part of that. Actually, putting yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. 
as well. But what I also um, hear from what you're saying there is being able to be vulnerable about, you know, what we're not so good at and that authenticity and realness in in confidence. Um, When we can bring vulnerability to that, then I think that just makes it all all the more real. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, uh, making fun of yourself. I always say I make fun of myself before I give other people a chance to to, to do that. And that's Mm -hmm. that really authentic, uh, relatable human side of it. Now, you've put all these thoughts into a book, and I'm holding it in my little hand now, The Power of Real Confidence, Learn How to Lead to Your Full Potential. And I love this. Step up, stand up, speak up, show up. Is this your first book, Michelle? It is my first book. Well, yes. congratulations! It's an enormous achievement, uh, and and I and I had a I've had a I haven't had a good read, but I've had a, enough a read to get a sense of it, and I love all the the bits in it, and the, the bits about confidence. There's some really good practical tips and tricks of what to do, and one of the ones I love was the confidence barometer. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It's um because confidence waxes and wanes for us through our life, it's important that we have practices, I suppose, or disciplines that we're able to just reflect from time to time on where our confidence is at. Because when it's low, we know that we can make limiting choices. You know, we might not say yes to that project or that new job opportunity because we're just thinking that we're not quite ready for it. Um, we might not. We might, you know, try to over over perfect our work because it's not quite right yet. So, being able to step back and reflect on where is my confidence at? If it's high, then or if I'm feeling really good, then what is it? What are some of the things that's contributed to that? If it's low, then what's going on for me? So rather than you know be six months down the track and you've had six months of feeling um, like your confidence is really low and you've been beating yourself up and making limiting choices, being able to catch yourself and assess where you're at and go, okay, what do I need to do about this? And what I liked about it the most was confidence, I think, is talked about. It's almost all or nothing. You're either confident or you're not confident. And I loved the fact that you looked at it like a barometer, that, that, it, that it is fluid, that it can be up and down. And you can have some days, it's like anything. You know, you have some days where you're feeling good, other days you don't feel like you're on your game, whatever it is. But And confidence comes under that. And I love the fact you've said here confidence is really in a complete level state, no matter how hard we try to sustain our behavioural changes. And I think acknowledging that, accepting that, and then coming up with some, I suppose, using having a toolbox that you can actually then use four days that you're either feeling good or feeling bad. Yeah, totally. And when before I started writing the book, because I didn't actually think I would write a how-to book, you know, how do you go about yeah. um, building confidence, yeah. but I talked to most of my clients and many people who I've been working with over a long period of time, and I really got a very strong sense from them that it's not just what is confidence, what does it mean, why is it important, but actually what do you do about it? Mm. How do you actually build confidence? How do you sustain confidence? How do you do that in an authentic way? So it was the how-to that was missing from a lot of this work. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really good, and it leads into. I just wanted to very quickly 
touch on, I noticed you're currently studying positive psychology at the moment, which is a, a real recent movement. I think it was 1998 or late 90s. Martin Seligman, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, and anyone who's wanting to know a bit more about positive psychology can see Seligman's work and a few other uh, outstanding thought leaders that he's collaborated with, and there's some wonderful uh, information available on positive psychology. Uh, it, what, is, what led you to go down that path, Michelle? I love, um, yeah, I love his work as well, but I, I really love the overarching philosophy with positive psych around you get much better bang for your buck when you focus on your strengths rather than your weaknesses. Mm. Um, so I loved that. And it was, if I can just tell you a little story about uh, me in the writing of the book. I didn't particularly want, want to write. I, English has never been that great. It wasn't my best subject. I didn't you know, love it at school. And uh, I was about a third of the way through the writing and I did a strength profile for myself. I was doing some work with clients and writing came up as a weakness. And I thought, and I struggled, you know, I, I set Fridays aside for writing and I did Pilates in the morning then went for coffee and then I get to the afternoon and think, oh, I don't really want to write. Mm. So it wasn't a surprise. It came up as a weakness, but I had narrator come up as a unrealized strength. And so I just took a totally different approach to the writing of the book where I told stories at the start of each chapter and it really got me into the flow of writing. So, you know, that to me, that's the whole philosophy of positive psychology. Really understand uh, what are your strengths and what are you great at. And if you start with that and leverage that, then we can do the same work but in a much better way. That, that, I love it. Storytelling. I've, I've got someone on um, a bit later on the program talking about the power of storytelling. And uh, so thank you for that lovely little segue into our probably our next guest after you. But Michelle Sale's book, The Power of Real Confidence, Learn How to Lead to Your Full Potential. It's a great read. Congratulations on your first book. It's a great achievement and very clever the way that you put it together. Now, anyone listening would like to know a bit more about Michelle. She's on Twitter. She's on LinkedIn. She's on Facebook and michellesales.com.au. All easy. Thanks, Jackie. Terrific. Great talking to you. Lovely talking to you. Thank you, Michelle. You're listening to Taking Care of Business right here on Ardell PFM. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. That was the Eagles with Take It Easy, and that's a real theme for today's show. Why our daily work lives are just getting too busy. And I want to know, and our next guest is going to reveal to me, some apps that can help. We get hundreds of emails a day, we have long meetings, an ever-growing to-do list, and no way of keeping track of where you're at. It's no wonder the modern workplace is full of highly stressed and underperforming employees. Our next guest is an international speaker and business coach. I'd like to welcome Jamie Cunningham. Hello. Good, Jackie. How are you? Great. Good for talking with you. Thank you for your time today. Now, as a business performance coach, uh, you've said that despite the growth in technology, it's been the ever-increasing onslaught of information that comes our way each day which actually means that as workers we're becoming less efficient. So how can we become more efficient? How can we use technology for good, not evil? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. It seems like a bit of an oxymoron because, uh, you know, technology is supposed to make our lives easier, but it often goes the other way. And 
I think that's because it's just so much easier to send information and to consume information. It's just so much more out there. So we've just got to get a little more savvy in, in how we do that. And I, I've sort of created a short list for myself uh, and clients of, of apps that we can use to try and do exactly that, to, to make it a bit easier. Yeah, um, we're going to reveal that, which we've got an exclusive with you to talk about your shortlist of apps because there are so many. So just before we get to that shortlist, with the apps, are there any obvious red flags that we should know about when we look at look at apps? Like how can we spot the imposters? You know, it's also a great question and I'm not sure if there's any easy way. I tend to go a lot by uh, reviews and what others are saying and try and let some others do do the hard work to work out if things are, are performers or not. And I also think there's a danger in trying too many because, you know, the overwhelm of you know, testing all these new apps and falling victim to things that are new and exciting can be a bit of a trap as well. So I, t- I tend to look for things that are a little time-tested um, and have been put through the paces by others before I waste too much of my time trying to do the same. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about what makes a good app So from the other side of the coin. So one thing which I really liked uh, what you talk about is improving memory. And our working memory is really struggling at the moment because we're being bombarded by messages more and more and more and more, and our brain hasn't evolved as quickly as technology has or businesses change and so our working memory is is being overloaded and overflowing and and uh, I'm sure you know this that what happens is that if you don't start pruning it or taking stuff from your working memory out to either your long term or writing it down or getting it somewhere your brain will start pruning itself and it can actually start pruning stuff you actually want to remember <laughs> so I think some of these a really good app helps with with memory yeah, look, my belief is that our brains, like you've alluded to, have unfortunately a limited amount of space and capacity, um, and we need to use that for the things that our brain is best for, and I think particularly when it comes to, to business, that's around problem solving, creative thinking, um, sort of high-level strategic thought, not remembering to pick up the milk on the way home. Um, that's not a great use of, of your brain, so this is where technology can really help us out. Yeah. to free up that mind space for, for the higher level thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that – and also it increases efficiencies. A lot of stuff you can do on apps now that you don't actually need to pay someone to do, uh, yeah. which particularly can help small and micro businesses uh, and sole, sole business operators as well. Now, you've you've come up with your top five. Is that right? We've got five we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of the – these are five that – that I use, uh, you know, religiously in my business, I've found others can use well as well. Like, you know, I hesitate to recommend too many apps to clients because sometimes that can lead to overwhelm. But these five, uh, I've seen a huge amount of take up amongst our client base. And so, uh, yeah, I just think they're, they're a solid five. Okay, well, let's cut the chase. Are they in order or not? No, not at all, okay. because they all perform different functions. Right, so we've yeah. set the scene. So number one is Slack. Tell us about Slack. So Slack, particularly helpful for uh, teams and diverse teams, uh, like remote teams, it's a chat It's a chat uh, app. So it allows you to communicate with uh, a group of people about topic-specific things. 
And, you know, it's, it's similar to, I guess, your if you're using WhatsApp or you're using just straight texting, but it's just it's got a bit more functionality, meaning you can group certain topics around, you can create different channels with certain people. It's just got uh, a, a more robustness that allows the conversations to be to be easy and searchable and make sure all the people who need to know about something do need to know about something. So it's a great replacement for email if you're using a lot of internal email much better tool than email. Yeah, because the email, you just get bombarded and um, some important ones can get easily lost. Oh, yeah, and, and internally, I mean, we had a client, an IT client, once who surveyed where all their email was coming from and more than half their email was internally generated. And that can be a huge time suck. Mm, absolutely. Okay, I love that one. So it's like WhatsApp for work, in a way. Yeah, and with more functionality. With more yeah. functionality. Okay, I like that one. Slack. Okay, number two, Trello. Tell us about what Trello is. So Trello is, if you find yourself with a lot of, uh, you know, small projects where you either, either just that you've got to keep uh, control of or you've got a small team or a large team to uh, to keep all on the same page, Trello is a, a bit of an open format project management tool. So, you know, for instance, in our team, we use it for running all of our weekly meeting agendas. We use it for coordinating our our content, uh, you know, when we're pulling, say, a video together to, to put out. It's got checklists and so forth. So it enables, and my team is geographically remote, so it enables us to keep all the information in one place and centralise things. I've got, you know, another example would be a client, a property management client. They keep all their maintenance issues on there. Uh, and tenant renewal um, issues. I've got franchises that use it uh, across franchises for keeping projects under control. So it's just a great open format. So it gives you a lot of freedom with how you want to use it. But it's, it's also quite a simple interface. So it's not complicated. You can learn it in 10 minutes. It's, it's simple. Is it free or is it there is subscription-based? Look, like a lot of these things, there's different levels. There mm. is a free level. Uh, in fact, I think I think we use the free level. And but if you want more functionality, you can pay for that. Yeah. Uh, depending on how sort of uh, how premium you want to go. Yeah. And they're usually quite reasonable uh, from a cost yeah, perspective. Yeah. It's, it's not expensive. And and with all these things, you've got to really understand what you want to do and how much value it can bring to you. Um, and if it you know if paying a bit of money gives you a lot more value, then it can make sense. Yeah. So Trello really good for small business. So number three, I'm a huge fan on of because I think uh, it really is a much superior version of Skype. And everyone used Skype and talked about Skype, but it's Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. You've said it well, Jackie. It's a it's a much better version of Skype. Mm. Uh, it's more stable. It's got more functionality, and you know, it's a video conference. Um, the software essentially, which again can be free if you want to use the real simple functionality or you can pay for. Uh, we've got a, we use a, a lower level paid description, which gives us a lot of functionality. And you know, they've also got webinar, uh, options. So you can, if you're using something like GoToMeeting or WebEx, it can replace those as well much more economically. Yeah, okay, and this the, the next one's to do with memory, and I'm always a big fan of anything that helps uh, in the memory, is Evernote. Yeah, to it ch- is. Tell us about this that. This is my saviour. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I dump everything in Evernote, um, and it's, it, that's what it is. It's a place to – it's a replacement for the sticky notes and the bits of paper that are on your desk, but, of course, it does so much more if you want a quicker website or you want to – 
uh, upload an audio recording, whatever it is. And the beauty of it is it's so searchable. So, uh, you know, a great example would be the warranty cards you get with a with an appliance that you buy. I snap a quick photo of it, throw it on Evernote, give it a title, done, forget about it. I don't have to think about filing it away and then when do I file it. Um, through to all my client notes I keep on, on Evernote. And it's a simple, very simple format, of course, because it's cloud-based across all your devices. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I use it as well, and I think it's uh, it's one of those that hopefully people listening to this program and beyond start looking at that. And I think this will ease a lot of at least a lot of stress. And I always have if you if you can get ten minutes, uh, if you can save ten minutes a day, so you get ten minutes extra in your day, that's got to be a good thing, right? So then yeah, you know if it gets a twenty minutes bonus, but minimum ten minutes, easy. And using these apps and being smart about how you use that can these can all be tools that you can use to do that. Now the big countdown number five, and I haven't heard of this one before, but it's called Meet Me. It's got a nice it's name. It's actually a thing called um, Meet Me is the URL. Right. But I think it's actually called Schedule One. Oh, is okay. the the app name, and there's actually quite a few of these out on the market. And I, I tested a few before going with Schedule One, and it's simply a booking, uh, a way to coordinate um, appointments. So with Schedule One, so I can give somebody my link, and they can have access to my calendar, which I have um, pre-set up in terms of what's available and what's not, and they can book meetings into my calendar. And it sounds very simple, but it saves so much back and forward. And, uh, you know, I, I preface it with someone like, I hope you don't mind, but I'll give you access to my calendar and you can find a time that suits you. And it saves, it certainly saved my assistant a ton of times to go back and forth with people to try and find the right time on things. Or if you've got more than one person, as soon as you get two or three people that you're trying to organise a time with, you know, those email chains can be, just come on ungodly. Yeah. And so it's just a, a massive time saver. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, I also like your disclaimer that you have no professional or financial affiliation. I think that's important to, to say that because some people get a bit suspicious going, is he getting mm-hmm. kickbacks from promoting these apps? And uh, and you don't. So they're, they're independent recommendations. That's Is that right? Yeah, 100%, Jackie. Um, yeah, no, no, no affiliation whatsoever. Okay, uh, these now, are just things that I've tested yeah. and found to work well and, so I to share with my clients and anyone else that I can I can help with. And you know, I like to uh, just tailor on, uh, add on to something that you said earlier around saving the you know if you can save ten minutes of your time. I think the other massive saving it gives you is the mental saving of feeling organised. Mm. Um, I find any level of overwhelm that exists in someone's life has a exponential effect on their productivity and effectiveness. And it's when you can lift that weight and feel like you're operating with a sense of clarity and you're feeling control and you're organized, it just it, it puts you in charge. And while these apps aren't the, the only answer to that, I think they can go a long way to helping. I think that's a really nice way to finish. Jamie Cunningham, a speaker and business coach. If people want to find out more about you, I assume you're on LinkedIn and you're on uh, what social media platforms? LinkedIn, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, obviously our website, uh, salesup.com.au. Salesup, S-A-L-E-S-U-P.com.au. That's it, Jackie. Wonderful. We'll put a link to our Facebook page for that. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jamie Cunningham.
Thanks, Jackie. Thank you. You're listening to Taking Care of Business. We hope you're enjoying eavesdropping on this interesting conversation, and we'll be right back just after we finish our coffee. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. And our next guest is an author, a registered psychologist, holds an MBA and a PhD in leadership. The perfect combo today to talk about to talk about leadership and to find out more with leadership specialists. I'd like to welcome Dr. Karen Morley. Thank you very much, Jackie. Good to have you here. Now, Karen, every leader or business owner wants to lighten their load or reduce pressure on themselves. What are some of the techniques or tips that they could go about starting to think about how to reduce that pressure? Hmm. I think one of the most important things is to be able to uh, be mindful and keep focused on what it is that you really want to achieve in your role and in your organisation. So I think part of the problem for leaders is that they do get caught up very much um, in the 24-7 routine and the need to get everything done. And a lot of people are working across multiple time zones. And so in a sense, a lot of leaders just go with that flow. I think that the smarter leaders and the leaders who are more in control of that sort of workload are the ones who can mindfully stop and pay attention um, and keep, you know, one eye on what needs to be done now and what's important, but another one on the future and the kind of organisation they want to be in and the kind of leader that they want to be. So what advice would you give uh, someone who is working on by themselves, like they're, they're, I suppose they're their own leader. Uh, they don't have yeah. a team they're managing, but they're still feeling the, uh, the, the pressure. They're still feeling the, the heavy workload. What are some, what's some advice that we could give solopreneurs or, or micro business owners of how they could manage themselves better? Yes, and this, this will be advice I can give myself as well. Oh, good. Um, I think, <laughs> I think it's similar to being mindfully aware of what it is you want to achieve in the longer term. And I think, um, and I know from my own experience, that when you're working on your own, sometimes it's harder to do that. Um, So for me, a a part of the way that I do that is to be a part of a broader community of people who are like me. Um, And that keeps reminding me of why I want to run my practice and how I want to run it and what I want to achieve. So I think that's one of the things. Um, And I find also setting up a a 90-day rhythm uh, around this is what I'm going to focus on for the next 90 days. These three or four things are what's most important. And then setting up a kind of a rhythm on a daily basis where you're, you're working through your list, you're working through the tasks and the projects and keeping focused on that. So um, as time seems to pass very quickly, you're still making sure that you achieve the things that you want to do because I think without that kind of accountability, it can be very hard. It can be very easy to just respond to what's coming up rather than to respond to what's perhaps longer term um, or more about the, you know, the practice or the business that you want to, to own and be. It's an interesting term, rhythm. Why did you use that and not routine? Ah, that's interesting. Maybe I'm a, a bit more kinesthetically focused. Um, but I do see it as more of a rhythm um, and something that occurs over something like a 90-day cycle makes sense. I think a routine... I guess a routine sounds a bit boring to me. And you know, but they're what actually is, quite boring and disciplined things that you yeah. must do to be successful, 
whether you're working on your own or you're working in a larger organization. And so having a rhythm that's about starting up over 90 days, looking at what you're achieving, and then at the end of that, you're reviewing that. Um, you're making note of, you know, what was hard, what was easy, what worked, um, and what, what you've actually achieved. So you're also noticing your progress. I think with a routine, it's more about these are the things I've got to do and keep doing. Mm, so yes. I think that there is that notion of a, a cycle which brings you to more of completion rather than something that's going on forever. Yeah, look, I, I, I just I, it got my attention and I thought it actually is probably more accurate because it makes me, when I'm looking at the word rhythm, going with flow. So it's like the ebbs and flows. So the, the routine mm. sounds very sort of task-focused, I suppose, where, mm. where the rhythm sort of gives you, you know, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a good rhythm or I'm in a bad bit or I'm, bit, bit, um, I'm feeling a bit tired or I'm feeling really good. So you can actually work with that rhythm a little bit more. And why 90 days, Karen? I think that's long enough to get some things Started. If you want to take a fresher approach or you've got a new target market um, product that you want to work with, um, and by the, the end of 90 days, if you've spent your time putting in some effort and had a go, experimented, you've had enough time to see whether that works or not, so whether or not you'll invest in that for the next 90 days. Okay. Um, I think probably I mean, people who are working in different kinds of industries, there might be different seasonal patterns that it makes sense to perhaps pick um, a different amount of time to feed into that sort of rhythm. But I think 90 days, um, yeah, yeah it, it's enough time to try things and see whether or not they work. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really fascinating concept. And I just want to have a quick chat about this book that you've, your latest book, because uh, mm-hmm. you've written, is it, is, it, is it your second book? Yes, it is. It is, yeah, great. We'll talk. Uh, your first book was about gender balance leadership, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm just again a little bit curious there. How do men and women differ from a leadership perspective? I think there are stereotypes that you know prescribe the ways that men and women can be, and boys and girls can be, um, and that means that they're the sorts of uh, patterns that we develop and what we're rewarded for. Um, and I think those patterns show up in uh, the kinds of roles we're interested in um, and um, the sort of careers we seek. I mean, my view, just to, to summarise it, is that I would like to take, you know, the gender constraints away from leadership um, and really open up, you know, the full range of behaviours to all leaders so that, you know, men can be caring coaching leaders um, and women might sometimes be more directive strategic leaders. Um, but but we're not so constrained by the conventions um, of gender. There are a lot of discussions about women having particular characteristics that they bring to leadership, which are really positive, things like being kind of caring and having more of a coaching approach and perhaps being better at managing team dynamics um, and men about it better at strategy and the bigger picture and perhaps some of the financial things. Um, but I think if we if we open all of those options up to men and women, then that gives people more opportunities to find their own fit uh, in a more open way. And it also gives organisations more opportunity to fill different kinds of roles. And then rather than leadership being kind of one thing or the other, it's actually broader 
um, and it's more encompassing. That is and that means very refreshing. leaders can be more flexible to fit what's actually needed right now. What does the organisation need right now? Do we need to drive and control um, and bring some things home? Or is now the time when we need to think about growth um, and think about development and a lot more creativity and experimentation? Yeah, I, I think a focus on human nature uh, mm. because I think the gender does get very distracting uh, yeah. as to the potential. And, look, at the end of the day, it's about, you've, you know, are you a natural leader? Do you have leadership capabilities? Do you have leadership skills? And uh, and we're not great at everything. We can't do everything because we're human. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Fo- focus right. on your strengths and then get a team around you to help support those areas that you're not so great at. So that's very refreshing. Now, that was your gender balance leadership. I just had to ask that's that. Right. I was curious. That's a great conversation. It's a whole other interview. But let's one. let's get on to this <laughs> current book. That's a big one. It sure is. Uh, let's get on to this current book, Lead Like a Coach. I loved the title of it, uh, How to Get the Most Out of Any Team. So this Lead Like a Coach, I like this Pay the Coaching Approach Forward concept. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that? Yeah, I think that one of the things um, about coaching is that it is fundamentally about development, Um, but it's also about getting work done. It's a particular style that's more supportive and can also be challenging. Um, So I think that in terms of paying it forward, when leaders are working with their team members and they're coaching them, they're not necessarily just focusing on what's here and now, what has to be done today or what has to be done tomorrow. The conversations they have are also about what needs to happen next year and, and the year after so that if there are enough leaders in the organisation who take that sort of approach, they're focusing both on now and the future, um, there is that opportunity to develop a culture where more people are thinking like that. Yeah, right. I think that's a, that's a really, really good good part. Now, your background as a, as a psychologist, what techniques do you use from your psychology background uh, when you're talking about leaders and what can leaders do to improve themselves as leaders? What, what are some tips and techniques that they could easily adopt? Yeah, I think some really practical things that leaders can do. One, just structure some coaching into the daily routine. I mean, there's quite a bit of research that shows that leaders have a lot of the skills that they need to have to be coaches but they're not necessarily confident about using it or they wait or think that there needs to be, you know, a big coaching conversation. Um, And if instead of seeing it like that, they see it as something that can be done um, every day and make it a routine, you might spend a few minutes thinking about somebody that you want to have a coaching conversation with, go and have that right now. It might be that you're walking from one meeting to the next and you're with somebody, and instead of answering the question that they put to you, you might ask a question back, you know, have you, or how might you think of that? What are some alternatives to how we might go about that? So that's coaching. It doesn't have to be big. Um, and in fact, the research that comes out of psychology shows that by breaking behaviour into very small component parts, sort of micro-behaviours, things that are quite easy to do, they're much easier to become uh, or to turn into new habits. Uh, so uh, yeah, structure right. something, make it small, do it often, 
Um, and again, probably in, the, in your 90 days, you'll see that there's a difference that's being made. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the core things um, that leaders need to do. And I, I think, think I've hinted at another, which is to ask questions rather than answering them. Um, I think a, a lot of leaders feel the pressure of needing to have the answers um, and also in the fast pace of work, it's quicker to answer. So sort of biting your tongue from time to time and instead of answering, even if you do know the answer, asking the question so that the other person has the opportunity you know, to, to stretch their minds and to think differently about what they're going to do. Yeah, I think um, that's wonderful advice, Karen, about... Or, you know, that m- mirroring technique of uh, someone asks you a question rather than feeling that pressure to give them an answer. Ask mm. them a question back. Get them to think a little bit deeper about it because uh, sometimes we can take shortcuts. Uh, mm. and, and I think that's a really easily adopted tip yeah. that uh, most leaders can use. Uh, now, your book, just to remind our listeners, we are talking to Dr. Karen Morley. She has written another great book called Lead Like a Coach, How to Get the Most Out of Any Team, and it's available at all good bookshops. And if anyone would like to know a bit more about Karen, you can find her on Twitter. And, of course, you can find her on LinkedIn, and her website is Karen Morley. .com.au and we'll put a link to our Facebook page as well. Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Jackie. I've enjoyed it. Uh, So have I. Very much fascinating insights as always here on Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. That's the end of the show. Can't believe it goes so fast. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation today, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot, but you can grab this show on the podcast on the Adult PFM website, adultpfm.com.au, or follow us on social media. Thank you to all of our worldly guests today, and we look forward to your company next Friday, 11 a.m. In the meantime... Keep taking care of your business.